We live in a fantasy world now. Reality has been destroyed. This is the time that we really need to pay attention. The probabilities are overwhelmingly on gold's side. That is the best environment to see gold increase its value. Welcome to Palisades Gold Radio. I'm your host, Tom Bodrovix. Joining me today is David Brady, former money manager, Sprott money contributor, advisor to 4779 Capital, and author of the FIPEST Report Substack. David, thanks for joining me today. How are you? Oh, great. I love talking to you, Tom. Let's get this going. Absolutely. I feel like the intro is starting to get longer and longer, and we can, well, in a way that that's good because no, we no, can yeah. we can get more exposure to your ideas and your writing. And I appreciate getting to sit down with you today to get some of your perspective. But I thought we could kind of start by, you know, you shedding light on some of how you see the current run above $2,000 in gold and how it fits into, let's say, the Elliott waves as you're seeing it. Well, first of all, the obvious answer is we've broken out to a new record high. So we're in a bull market. Uh, what people struggle with is they expect, you know, we hit 21.52. That is just going to keep going up higher. Markets work in zigzags. Now, when you're in a bull market, those zigzags trend overall up, higher lows, higher highs. And by contrast, when you're in a bear market, it does the exact opposite, lower highs and lower lows. Well, obviously, we have higher highs and higher lows. So we're in a bull market. But at 2152, uh, when the banks are significantly short, uh, sentiment is not bullish, it's euphoric. Uh, technicals are extreme overbought. That's a time to take a pause and say, hey, we need a correction here. And that's what I said on December 13. Uh, I called it the perfect storm. and. Uh, that's what we're going through right now. We're going through a correction. I believe that we've had the what I call the ABC correction, and we've had the wave A down to 1988 in gold. Uh, now we're in wave B. Now, it may have peaked. I doubt it, but we may have peaked, but I have no uh, confirmation that it has. But once we get the peak in B, then we'll have a good idea of where C is. And uh, I just wrote an article today for Spot Money where I said, here's some suggestions if we peak at 2063, if we peak at 2100 in wave B, this is what I think wave C will turn out to be. But one thing I have confidence in is that the next low will be lower than 1988. So I don't know exactly what that number is. It could be 1933, it could be 1900, it could be in the 1800s. But we're going down to a lower low, in my opinion. Now, at that point, and I don't want to belabor it because I've talked about this you know, to death. At that point, at that low, you'll know most retail traders will throw in the towel. They'll be just fed up. A minute ago, we are at 21.52, and now we're here we are at 1,900. What's the point? Mm -hmm. The same old same. I'll be loading up for what happens next. Because this is an ABC correction. The zigzag's down, but it has to fall below 
1824 to negate the uptrend. It hasn't, and it won't, in my opinion. So when we get down to those low levels, it's a gift. And I plan to go all in on those. I'll be using high beta miners. I'll be going full leveraged mm-hmm. because I, what I believe is we're going to go up to a uh, another peak that exceeds 2152. It may even just be 2200. But from 1900 to 2200, especially if you're leveraged, you're going to do pretty well. So uh, to answer your question, uh, we're in the correction. We're waiting for the bottom, waiting for the wave B top, then the wave C bottom. Mm-hmm. and then. Up we go. I think an important point to really highlight at this time, especially going into Christmas here, is the idea that you know the markets at this point are traded so thinly right now. So why do the bullion banks love that time? And how does that fit into your analysis, like you said on December 3rd, that you were able to see how all of these things were going to play out? So on December 3rd, we didn't have thing in markets, and look what happened. The sixth biggest decline in gold uh, on an intraday basis in history. Now we are in thin markets, and guess what? They have a higher short position, at least as of Tuesday last, than on December 3rd. And we're going into the holiday period where traders are taking off for vacation to January and so forth. If I were long, I would be scared right now because the bullion banks are significantly short in a thin market, which means it requires very little capital on their part to drive the market lower. Mm -hmm. They will trigger stops. I I saw somebody say on Twitter, oh, you know, there's a short squeeze uh, coming. Yeah. There's a squeeze coming, but it's not going to be the short squeeze. It's going to be a long squeeze. And that'll uh, generate the lower low that I just mentioned in gold and in silver. Uh, the percentage loss in silver will be greater than in gold, as it always is. It has a, a, a beta of about 1.5 to gold. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, I think it's going lower. And uh, the bullion banks have been so active for weeks to suppress the rise in gold. But as I've termed it many times, it's an organized retreat. And how how do I validate that? We keep hitting higher highs. Mm -hmm. So what they were doing is we go up, everybody gets bullish, and they hammer it back down. Then it goes up again, and it goes into a higher high. Then they hammer it back down. And it's just going to continue. They don't want gold going through the stratosphere they they will let gold go and silver when they choose uh they're not going to let the market take it they have to be in complete control like everybody else these days it seems and uh but gold is in a bull market we're going to go to new higher highs but we've got to wait for this low to come and the thin markets that you mentioned makes it so easy for the bullion banks, if they choose to do it, I, you know, nothing is certain, but the conditions are perfect. They're, they're, they, they've loaded up short, markets are thin, and, and here's the deal. They've loaded up short uh, at 21.52. It fell from 21.52 to 1993, I think, and they just cut 9K contracts. 
just nine. After that big drop, they, they, typically they use those drops to cover their shorts, make massive pro uh, profits. They barely cut them. And then the market went back up to, to gold, went back up to 2050, 2060 right now. So they probably added even more shorts. What does that tell you? They're getting ready to hit this. If, if they thought it was going to go up, they would have covered. They didn't. They're adding. Mm -hmm. So I say get the hell out of the way and uh, wait for the bottom. Stop playing in between the major levels. I don't, I'm a swing trader. I, I, I you know, people say you can't pe uh, pick peaks and troughs. I, I disagree. It depends on your process. Uh, when you're in the middle in no man's land, as I like to call it, th that's just plain guesswork. You know, it's coin toss. But when you get to extremes in sentiment, in technicals, when it matches what the Elliott waves are saying, when the positioning tells you what's going on, when Dixie is in the toilet and the yields are in the toilet, what, what, what typically is going to happen? The exact opposite. I expect the Dixie to rebound here shortly. I expect yields to rebound shortly. And that will provide cover for the uh, bullion banks to hammer gold and silver again. And then the whole point is to squeeze. I've said this many times. The whole point of these corrections, especially when the bullion banks are involved, is to push as many people out of the market before it goes up because they don't want you getting rich. Mm -hmm. They don't want you making money. They want to make all the money. And once you figure that out, you just, it, it's got to the point where when it gets uh, hammered, you sit there and wait to buy. When it goes stratospheric to the north, now, it's harder with gold on this one because it can go parabolic. But most of the time, the vast majority of the time, you sell. And that's all I've been doing since 2015. When it gets down to a low, I buy. When it goes up to a high, I sell. Sell high, buy low. That's a new concept. <laughs> but uh, you know, but in doing so, you're fighting human nature. And I've said, and we've talked about this before, Tom, emotion is the death of wealth. And people let their emotions take over, and they do the exact opposite. They sell at the low, and they buy at the high. And the bullion banks know this. Mm -hmm. So this is why they operate the way they do. And I'm not saying it's a certainty, but the conditions are perfect for them. So it's a warning. But yeah. I'll be loading up when we get to the bottom. Mm -hmm. Of course, you mentioned your process. and. Of course, it's called the FIPEST process. So we already talked about sentiment. And I think you pointed out a really interesting example of that, how it works when, let's say, the biggest bear on the stock market, Mike Wilson, says equities have gotten a green light to ramp higher, right? So yeah. how, how do you view that? And, and how does that play into your thinking when even somebody that's always bearish reverses his death? Well, it's not just him, Tom. I mean, is uh, Michael Hartnett has been a fantastic trader. He's a prognosticator. And I wrote a tweet there about a month or two ago when he rolled out something. I think I, I can't remember whether it was up or down, but it was the exact opposite of what I what, what I was thinking. And my tweet was something along the lines of, "Now they're taking the great traders. They're sending them out to say." Oh, it's going down. When they, when everything else says it's going up, and what happens? It goes up because these guys are bankers and they have bosses and they're like they're they're uh, trying to sell a narrative, a story. So who better to do to sell that story 
than somebody who's been right quite often. Now, with Wilson, it's a little easier, you know. And uh, so the day when he came out, oh, I'm changing my tune. Well, and I said it in the tweet, you've been wrong the whole way up. And now you're saying, oh, it's going to ramp higher. Sell. You know, uh, and I, I equate that to the Jim Cramer CNBC uh, indicators. Mm-hmm. They are like headlines. I've often said, you know, is this the kiss of death in response? Um, because they typically come out when the market is extended and they say, oh, it's going to go higher. That to me is a warning sign, like get the hell out. Because everything the establishment does is to make themselves richer. Mm-hmm. They're already rich, but they, they, you know, they're greedy. They, they want more. And to impoverish everyone else. And once you figure that out, it starts to make sense. And so for me, I don't know if Wilson was going to be right or wrong the next day. But, you know, <laughs> my spidey sense said, this is going down. And uh, I just threw it out there, watched this. And sure enough, the next day, down it went. And uh, it was, I will say this, with the FIPES process, because I rely on, I rely on data, those uh, signals are anecdotal to that data. And the data to me, uh, as I warned, like I was a bit early, uh, it was December 11, I warned that the S&P is coming to a peak here. And to me, it's this isn't rocket science. You're, you're heading up to the all-time high of 4,800. Do you honestly think it's going to go straight through on the first attempt? No. You know, look at what happened to gold. You know how many times we went up to 2085, 2090? Mm-hmm. Only on the fifth did we get through. So don't expect anything. It's a magnet for sure, but it's not going to go through in the first attempt. So, uh, and now we got the the pullback. And I, I think that has, I don't know whether this is just um, a mini ABC of the A, because it's an ABC correction again, or it's the big A. But if it's the big A, then we only go down to, you know, 4,600-ish. And then we go up to break a new high. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the thing uh, I want to say, Tom. A lot of people, when I say these things, they say, oh, you're always bearish, you're always bearish. No, I think the S&P is going over 5,000. Yeah, I'm just telling you what I'm saying. I, I like baby steps. I have no time for people, especially the ones that go, 20 years from now, the Dow is going to be at 100,000. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, I was going to say a political comment uh, uh, relative to Canada. I'll avoid it. When they make these forecasts about certain things, 10 years, it means nothing. Nothing, you know, I'd rather stick to the baby steps. I've got a big picture in my mind, but I'll trade, I'll focus on what happens next. Mm-hmm. Not what happens a year from now or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I know the overall picture for gold is much higher, silver even more so. Um, but in the short term, of course, you get pullbacks. We go back to the zigzags uh, I brought up earlier in answer to your question. You have to absorb this and get religion about it. Don't dismiss it because it just keeps happening. You know, the definition of insanity is, well, there's a few of them, but doing the same thing over and over and expecting a a different result. (laughs) If you're doing something wrong and you're constantly losing money, try the opposite. You know, so learn from your mistakes. I'll leave it there. I could ramble on all day. 
Well, you know, I think that's something that we get into trouble with a lot is is misunderstanding the timelines that we're talking about. You know, whether it's manipulation or it's gold going up, whatever it is, if we're not understanding the exact timing of what we're trying to consider, I think that gets lost a lot on Twitter in these conversations because I think that's where a big part of that misunderstanding comes from. Absolutely. But, you know, the the most difficult task is finding, there's a lot of amateur traders out there or new to this, and they they know something's wrong with the system. They want to protect themselves. And then there's the ones that are basically gamblers. But they're new to this. The, The challenge is finding analysts that you can rely on not to tell you exactly where things are going, but are more or less right most of the time. They never always be right. And unfortunately, in this business, there's a lot of charlatans, there's a lot of cheerleaders. The way I would go about it is, yes, try and find consistency. People are, forget the guys who are popular, that know how to say the right things, they're articulate, they're polished, they sound smart. That doesn't mean anything. Do they get it right? And how often? Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing I would say to look for is people who uh, make calls in both directions. In other words, in a screaming bull market, they can say it's going down. I'll give you one example. Um, a guy I really like, uh, I don't subscribe to his channel, but whenever I see him publish something publicly, I like how he writes. And I think we think very similarly. So it's a bit jingoistic on my part. But uh, Gary Savage is a very good trader and very good analyst. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, um, and there, there are a few others that I, that I watch too, but he's one of the best uh, because he, like me, he considers all tools. He, he adds the cycle piece, which I don't use, but uh, I listen to him about it. But he, he calls the market in both directions and he's, he, he doesn't do it whimsically. He's uh, he's very, um, I won't say adamant, but he's very confident in what he's saying. Now, he gets it wrong. I get it wrong, too. And we're never going to hit the nail on the head. But those are the kind of analysts that you want to follow. Not the ones that like t- constantly tell you, oh, now we're going up. Okay, yeah, we just fell $300. Now we're going up. Thanks. That's great. Um, the, if they're consistently wrong or consistently talking in the same direction, just trash bin mm-hmm. and uh and then learn from them what are they doing what they're saying so like for instance i again i don't know what gary's saying but i do know what i'm saying and in my articles uh that i point, uh, provide to sprout money and now my Substack, i lay out in detail detail how i come up with it i don't just say hey gold's going to go down to uh 1915 1900 and then I'm going all in for 2200 maybe 2300 next. See ya. No, I give all the detail, and it's data. It's not opinion. Here's why. And I I, I, I'm, I got criticized by uh, a very well-known person. You, you always caveat in my hun- uh, humble opinion. Uh, we already know that. Yeah, but I like to say it because uh, it's true. And secondly... Uh, I don't want somebody coming back. You told me this. 
But it is uh, opinion, but it's based on data. Uh, data, a process that was developed looking back 20 years at all the peaks and troughs, looking at consistent patterns across those peaks and troughs for every asset you can think of on the uh, futures market and using six multiple tools. It's not rocket science. Anybody can do what I'm doing. They just don't put the time in. It's, it's, I'm serious. What I'm doing is not rocket science. It's easy. And uh, it doesn't mean I'm going to be right all the time. Mm-hmm. But you, if you go back and you look at every peak and trough and you look at the RSIs and you look at the MACDs on a daily and on the weekly and even maybe the monthly, and then you look at sentiment and then you look at positioning and then you look at what the Elliott Wave said and then you look at what the fundamentals were. It, when you look back, retrospection is 2020. But the beauty of it is you can extrapolate it forward. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'll stop there. But that, that's the that's what I recommend people do. If you, you can learn it, it's getting late in the day. So just find a couple of good analysts and stick with them. Stop jumping around and uh, you'll do okay. Mm-hmm. So David, how does the DXY, you know, you, you mentioned it just before about it going back up along with bond yields. What is the driver for the DXY going back up here? Well, higher yields will do it. Yeah, the, the correlation between the 10-year and the Dixie is pretty profound. Mm-hmm. Uh, when yields go back up, the Dixie follows because a lot of it is um, relative interest rates. And as I said earlier, everything goes in zigzags. Mm-hmm. I believe Dixie's going to 98 at least. 94, maybe 92 at worst. Um, now, but in, in the meantime, again, you're going to get moves. Uh, you, you seldom get a move straight up and straight down. It means it's a parabolic move to the upside or to the downside. Um, they are rarities. I deal with uh, what is the majority of cases. And in the majority of cases, you get zigzags. And if you look at Dixie now, it's it's down to 101, and it's been beaten down, and I, I still think it's going lower. But it's too a bounce. But yields have fallen from just over 5% down to uh, 385, give or take, straight down. You think it's going to continue straight down? No. And look, start looking at the RSIs and the MACDs and look at the sentiment. Sentiment in bonds is off the chart. It's bullish. So the same way I look at gold, I look at, you know, 10-year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I see a number of indicators. Uh, there's real-world circumstances. If you look at the fundamentals, too, you know, we can get into treasury bills uh, and uh, 10-year bonds and the interest costs of all the debt that's piling up that you know this drop in uh, let's go big picture this drop in yields is not going to last well i still think we're going lower uh the dollar is going lower but come 2024 perhaps first half we're going to start to see the collapse of the s p we're going to see yields go through the roof and uh, the dollar is going to have a nice run but when confidence is lost in the dollar, that's when it goes, you know, it loses its reserve uh, currency status and so forth. So the milkshake guys will get their day in the sun, maybe to 115 to 120, and then see it. Mm-hmm. 
but in the short term, uh, it's just simply that the, they've come too far too fast on yields, and they're going to get a correction. And that means higher yields. Mm-hmm. Higher yields, higher Dixie, lower metals. So it, it provides all of, look, these markets are centrally managed by the central banks and uh, their agencies like BlackRock and so forth. So it's no uh, coincidence that they're all linked. They're centrally managed. They're all linked. So when I look at the markets, I don't just look at gold in isolation. I look at all. You know, the correlation between Dixie and the yields broke down recently. It was basically random. I went to more or less zero. But now it's coming back with a vengeance. So sure enough, when Dixie goes up and yields go up, you know, you're going to get gold and silver going down. And that'll be cover for the bullion banks that just hammer it. Mm-hmm. They love so, that. When, they, when Dixie gets a bounce, they're like, you know, foaming at the mouth, ready to go to sell because they say, oh, it's, it's the Dixie. We, we didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Once we get that low in gold, you said you're going to be going all in, especially on the high beta miners. So what do you makes a high beta miner in this environment, David? Uh, I did an analysis going back. I don't go back 10 years. People who rely on betas on Yahoo going back 10 years, five years, three years, it's a complete waste of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've said it bluntly because you don't know what drove those betas three years ago. It could have been one great earnings call. The thing doubled in price and the beta looks like, wow, excellent. I look at uh, beta only 15 months back. And because uh, uh, I like a recency bias, bias because I know what's going on, what's driving it. So I went and I looked at, I think it was 160 miners, and I calculated their betas uh, going from trough to peak, peak to trough over the past 15 months. And I found uh, two in particular that are starting to become fallen angels, by the way. They're having a little trouble right now. Uh, that stood head and shoulders above the rest. And that was MUX, McEwen, and IAG, I am gold. And I, I made, what was it, 200% on those when silver went up 40%. I used silver as my benchmark because, surprisingly, GDX and silver are highly correlated. Um, and silver is more volatile than gold. So it was a, a better benchmark in terms of performance because silver underperforms gold on the downside and outperforms on the upside. So if you've got a high beta to silver, never mind gold, a high beta to silver, this must be a great stock. So I did extremely well with that. So then I, I uh, delved a little deeper and I found like there are, I have 11 in my portfolio right now that uh, I follow. Um, and what I do is I follow the winners and I scale back when the others start to come off. But they consistently high beta. Both, you know, it's a double-edged sword, I call it. So with, it goes up, yeah. But when silver goes down, these things get hammered, you know. So you have to get out. You, you, when you get to the top, don't get greedy. I call the top in MUX at 10. And uh, I said, get the hell out of this. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um it was a nice round number. The technicals and all the other things were saying that it was overbought. But when I saw 10, there's a number that the market likes to stop it at, just like 666 back in 2008. And um, 
it went, went down. But the point being is you can isolate these miners and people will say, well, you're not focusing on the fundamentals. No, I'm not because the market knows better than me. The market knows which ones are going up and down. And if these are consistently driving high betas in both directions, the market knows, somebody knows that these are the ones that are, they've chosen these stocks to play when silver goes up and gold, obviously, and then when it goes down. And I'm just following what the market's telling me. And then when the market tells me, no, this is not doing as well, it's not uh, correlate, it's it's not correlating as well as it was in the past, it's falling back into line with silver or it's um, underperforming more so on the down so than it's exceeding on the upside. Then I start to scale back on that one and then I put more capital to the one that's doing better. Like Harmony recently has been a monster. Harmony Gold. That has been the best performer of, uh, and I don't, think, I'm only looking at producers. I don't look at lottery tickets, otherwise known as explorers. I, I have no time for them. If somebody makes a ton of money on them, good for you. I, I'm not Rick Rule. I'm not Eric Sprott. I'm not going to do the deep dive to figure out who the next lottery winner is. I focus on the producers that are high betas, and it and it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the that's the thing. That's the reason I do it. I started like just experimenting, but it works. Mm-hmm. So um, I've given that list out. Who I watch, it, it does change. There's different uh, miners that move to the top and others that slide down but the group is pretty much the same right now and by the way some of these miners are outperforming silver 4x 3x that's silver Mm -hmm. think how much they're performing gold 6x 8x i mean that's why i like silver because i'm competing against uh, a high beta uh, acid itself which is silver gold is the boring one but you have to watch gold for analysis especially when it comes to positioning because it's the big brother i mean it's a tiny market but it's much bigger than silver and it's much bigger than any miner so um you have to watch gold but in terms of uh, calculating beta i use silver because i'm looking for the biggest gains mm-hmm. excellent david you know i want to take some time and i know we're kind of coming up to the end of our uh, time window here today. But I want to take some time and talk a little bit about the great taking. You know, you read it and you wrote a little bit of an article on what David might have missed, as in what you think steps to take are to protect yourself through a possible time like this. So what are some of those steps? Because I know I've gotten a lot of questions from listeners on what actual actionable ideas they should take in order to protect themselves once they understand that book? I I love these kinds of questions because it's a slam dunk. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's, let's talk about what David Webb said in a nutshell. He basically said that based on his analysis, and he can actually back it up, with documentation from the Bank of International Settlements and other agencies, that the law has been changed that you don't have a right to property. You have an entitlement to property. So in the event that a financial institution, be it a bank, be it a broker, be it an insurance provider, if they go bankrupt, 
which they will in the next year, a lot of them. Um, when it goes through bankruptcy court, the senior creditors get the collateral. Guess what the collateral is? Your property. You don't have any right to it. They will take it first. If anything, you'll get peanuts back. And that's the way the law has been changed in secret. And uh, they're going to use that to uh, confirm that you'll own nothing and be happy. And how do you address that? Well, the obvious answer is anything that you have in the financial system, now you know that like gold in a safety deposit box in a bank, if that bank goes bust, you don't get it back. They take it. So what's the answer? You have to keep your wealth outside the banking system. Now, I'm not saying anything novel. This is not news. How do I know? Look what's happening to the banking system. Look at what's happening with the, the, the new uh, vehicle that the Fed is using to keep prop up the banks, the loans to the banks, because they're deeply underwater. Uh, in terms of their um, capitalization, because their their long bonds there have dropped. What well, it's gotten better recently, but at one point they were down forty percent. And money is flowing out. The depositors are running for the hills. So this is not news. What they're doing is they're getting their money out of the banking system because they know there's a risk. Well, some could argue a high risk that these financial institutions are going to go bust in the next year. And if they do, you are dot, dot, dot. I'm not going to say the word I want to use, but it begins with F. And so the only solution that you have that you can take is to follow the herd in that regard. I usually go against it and get your, get your as much as your wealth outside of the banking system, outside of the financial system. And what are the solutions? Well, you could try land, especially farmland, which David Webb mentioned. But the obvious one, and he did say real tangible assets. Well, the paramount tangible, real tangible asset is gold. And the next best thing is silver. Now, some will say platinum and palladium. I, I'm, I'm not going to go off on a tangent here. I'll just say they're primarily industrial metals. The gold, gold and silver are monetary metals. And that's why it's one of the reasons why gold and silver go through the roof. And central banks are vacuuming up gold and silver all over the world. They're record buying. Why? Because they know what's coming. And you should do the same. I've been saying this ever since you and I started talking, Tom, that it's an insurance policy first. It can make you wealthy second. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it's the primary vehicle to protect yourself in the event of a collapse of the financial system, of uh, the institutions where you're holding your wealth today. And uh, I, I've been saying for a long time, buy physical gold and silver that you can keep in your hand, um, not a certificate, not an ETF, physical gold and silver, because they will protect you financially, you and your family at least financially and uh, there's no better way to protect your wealth um 
And I'll leave it at that. I mean, that's the obvious answer. Excellent, David. Well, I know we're coming up against time, and I know I need to get you out of here for the holidays. Yeah, um, yeah. The boss, the boss has given me the, the dirty looks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time and your perspective as always, David. It's always a pleasure to get to speak with you. So we can find more of you at your new Substack, fipestreport.substack.com, forty-seven seventy-nine capital.com, and of course on Twitter at Global Pro Trader. Right. That's right, Tom. You got it. And your weekly articles on Sprott Money, as everybody knows. That's right. Perfect. Don't leave it so long next time, Tom. <laughs> well, we'll definitely check in with you sooner then. Excellent. Thanks Take very care, much. David. Thank you. You too. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Guests on this show are not compensated for their appearance. Listeners are urged to educate themselves and make their own decisions. Do not base any investment decisions on the information contained. To view our full disclaimer, please visit our website.